For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Israel, God's Prophetic Time Clock. This is part three of the series. So Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom. We can see this in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 28, as it is written. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. Rehoboam was the first king of the southern kingdom. In 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 23, it is written, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the remnant of the people. Eventually, the northern kingdom was taken captive by the Assyrians. We can see this in 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 29. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, came Tiglat-Pileser, king of Assyria, and he took various cities and places, among them Gilead and Galilee, which is the land of Naphtali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. So in the process of time, the southern kingdom was taken captive by the Babylonians. In 2 Kings chapter 24, verse 10 and verse 15, it is written, At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon, and the mighty of the land carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. So going into exile or captivity by the northern kingdom, Ephraim, the ten tribes, the house of Joseph, and the southern kingdom, the house of Judah, or the Jewish people, came about from breaking the covenant that the lawgiver, that is Yeshua, gave to his people, the house of Jacob, at Mount Sinai. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15, it is written, But it will come to pass, if you will not hearken, if you will not listen unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. It goes on to say in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 64, And the Lord will scatter you among all people from one end of the earth even unto the other. We could furthermore see this from Leviticus chapter 26 verse 15 as it is written. If you will despise my statutes, if your soul abhor my judgments so that you will not do all my commandments, but if you break my covenant, it continues on in Leviticus chapter 26 verse 33, and I will scatter you among the nations and I will draw out a sword after you, your land will be desolate and your cities waste. But in his mercy and his compassion, the one who made covenant with Abraham, who gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, who created the heavens and the earth, even Yeshua HaMashiach, promised that he would extend and show mercy and compassion to his people, remember his covenant, and gather his people from the nations or from exile and bring them back to the land of Israel. This is outlined for us in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 5, as it is written. And it will come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I've set before you, and you will call 
call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. And you will return unto the Lord your God and will obey his voice, that is, follow his Torah, according to all that I command you this day, that is, at Mount Sinai, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that then the Lord your God will turn your captivity. He will have compassion upon you. He will return and gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. And if any of you be driven out to the outermost parts of heaven, that is to the ends of the earth, from there will the Lord your God gather you, and from there will he fetch you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you will possess it, and he will do you good, and he will multiply you above your fathers. So when's he going to bring his people back from exile, and they'll have it better than their fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had it in the land? We're talking here about the Messianic era. So we can see that the return from exile is associated with Messianic times, and the messianic era known as the day of the lord or the millennium and in jeremiah chapter 31 verse 10 we're told it's the good shepherd that's going to gather the exiles of israel and bring him back to the land for it is written hear the word of the lord o ye nations and declare it in the isles afar off and say he that scattered israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock so the one that scattered israel is going to gather israel and when he does he's going to do so as a shepherd well who is that shepherd who is the good shepherd it is yeshua john chapter 10 verse 11 and verse 14 yeshua said i am the good shepherd the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep i am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine so it's the good shepherd that's going to gather his people from exile and the one that scattered is also the one that's going to gather well if yeshua is the good shepherd that's going to gather he's also the one that scattered and he scattered his people for breaking his covenant and not following his Torah, which he gave at Mount Sinai. So it was the angel of the Lord, the Malach, the messenger of the Lord, who appeared to Moses at the burning bush, and the one that appeared to Moses at the burning bush is also the same one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. And the house of Jacob broke that covenant, and as a result, they were exiled into the nations of the world for breaking the Torah of the lawgiver or Yeshua. So now we're going to look at how long is this exile. We're going to first look at the northern kingdom. Does the scriptures designate how long the northern kingdom is to be in exile after being initially taken into captivity by the Assyrians? Well, Ezekiel prophesied of it in Ezekiel chapter 4 verses 4 through 6 as it is written lie also on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel that is the northern kingdom upon it or the sins of the house of Israel according to the number of the days that you shall lie upon it you shall bear their iniquity for I have laid upon you the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days 390 days so shall you bear the iniquity or the sin of the house of Israel I have appointed you each day for a year so the 390 days that Ezekiel laid on his left side is a prophecy of 390 years of judgment of the northern kingdom well in the torah anthology which is a collection of thoughts on the scripture by the rabbis in the book of the 12 prophets volume 2 page 117 it explains how the 10 tribes of the northern kingdom Ephraim, or the house of joseph was exiled by the assyrians in three stages in the same idea is communicated in the Art Scroll, which is an Orthodox Jewish publication, to the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, on page 6. 
where it also explains that the ten tribes were exiled by the Assyrians in three stages. So the third and the final taking of the northern kingdom into captivity by the Assyrians, history tells us, happened in 721 or 722 BC. And based upon the prophecy of Ezekiel, from Ezekiel chapter 4 verses 4 through 6, that their judgment was to be for 390 years if we take the time of their final captivity, 721 BC, and add 390 years, we can see that the designated time of their exile was to end around 331 BC. And what happened around that time that made it possible? Well, a prophecy of these events is outlined in Daniel chapter 8, where historically the Assyrian Empire that took the northern kingdom into captivity ultimately became the Media Persian Empire. And in Daniel chapter 8, it's prophesied that the Grecian Empire, and ultimately through one who history calls Alexander the Great, is going to defeat the Media Persian Empire. So now, let's look at Daniel in chapter 8. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 1 and verse 16, it is written, In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. Continuing in Daniel chapter 8, verse 19, And he said, Behold, I will make you know what shall be in the last end of the indignation for at the time appointed the end shall be so the angel Gabriel was going to explain to Daniel that the ram that he saw in the vision represents the media Persian empire in Daniel chapter 8 verse 3 it is written then I lifted up my eyes and saw and behold there stood before the river a ram which had two horns and the two horns were high but one was higher than the other and the higher came up last Daniel chapter 8 verse 4 I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward so that no beast might stand before him neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand but he did according to his will and became great so now in Daniel chapter 8 verse 20 it is explained to Daniel the ram that you saw having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia next we're going to look at a map of the Persian Empire around the year 500 BC by looking at this map we can see that the Persian Empire stretched from India to Europe and incorporated all of the known civilized world at that time except for Greece. Now back to Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 8. In Daniel chapter 8 verse 5 and verse 21 it is written, And as I was considering, behold, a he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth, and touched not the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And the rough goat is the king of Greece. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. So now Daniel's going to be shown that Greece is going to defeat the media Persian Empire. In Daniel chapter 8 verse 6 it is written, And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. Continuing in Daniel chapter 8 verse 7, And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with collar against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast
cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. So the leader of the Grecian army that defeated the Media Persian Empire was who history calls Alexander the Great. So now we'll give a brief summary of the life of Alexander the Great. The notable horn of the Grecian Empire in Daniel chapter 8 verse 5 refers to Alexander the Great. Alexander lived from 365 BC to 323 BC. And as a young boy, Alexander studied the writings of the Greek philosopher Aristotle. At age 20, Alexander became the king of the Greek state Macedonia. Later, he went to war and conquered the Persian Empire. Alexander began his war against the Persians in 334 BC. The Battle of Gagamela was the decisive battle of Alexander the Great's invasion of the Persian Empire. In 331 BC, Alexander's army of the Hellene League met the Persian army of Darius III near Gagamela in what is now today Iraqi Kurdistan. Though heavily outnumbered, Alexander emerged victorious due to his army's superior tactics and his deft employment of light infantry. So now since we've seen that according to Ezekiel's prophecy wherein he laid on his left side for 390 days which prophesied of a 390 year period designated for the captivity of the northern kingdom at the end of that 390 years which would fall around 331 BC would be the end of their captivity. However there is a condition and that is that the people would repent and return to the Torah of the lawgiver. However if his people would not repent we are then told in Leviticus chapter 26 that their punishment would be multiplied by seven. So in Leviticus chapter 26 verse 18, 21, 24, and 28 it is written and if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me then I will punish you seven times more for your sins and if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins then will I also walk contrary unto you and will punish you yet seven times for your sins then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury and I even I will chastise you seven times for your sins so here in these verses in Leviticus chapter 26 we can see that four times we are told by the God of Israel that if his people would not repent and return unto him and his Torah that he would punish them seven times and the number four in the Bible represents the world. So this is an indication that if his people wouldn't repent after their designated 390 year captivity, that they would then go into worldwide captivity. So remember, the northern kingdom went into captivity in three stages. And history tells us that the third and final stage of captivity of the northern kingdom by the Assyrian Empire took place in 721 or 722 BC. So is there any historical evidence that after this 390 year period, did the northern kingdom repent and return to the Torah? Well, we can see that repentance is a condition for ending the exile 
from Leviticus chapter 26, verse 40 and 41, as it is written. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled and they then accept the punishment of their iniquity, then we're told that the God of Israel would and their exile and caused them to return to the land of Israel. But since the northern kingdom did not repent, their initial punishment of 390 years is now going to be multiplied by seven. So the total duration of their punishment for departing from the Torah is now 2,730 years. So since exile was going into captivity and being given over to your enemies, in essence, this 2,730 years represents a prison sentence of his people by the God of Israel. So when would this prison sentence be over? Well, if we take the date of the third and final captivity of the northern kingdom by the Assyrians, that would be 721 B.C., and add 2,730 years, we will come to approximately the year 2009. And 2009 is the present generation. So the northern kingdom's prison sentence ends in this generation. Remember previously we looked at time as it relates to the creation and specifically the earth from the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to the end of the thousand year messianic era and we see that the God of Israel laid out and specified that there would be a prophetic week to the creation and man living on the earth. So when we looked at this earlier, we saw from the Usher chronology that he had calculated 4,000 years from Adam to the birth of Yeshua. And we have gone 2,000 years since that. So this generation is the end of 6,000 years. And this evidence suggests that we are the last generation. We've just seen that the prison sentence of the northern kingdom is over in this generation. So it seems that we are living in the generation that will see Yeshua set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. So given that we've now looked at the northern kingdom, let's examine the details of the captivity of the southern kingdom, that is the house of Judah or the Jewish people, and them being sent into exile. The southern kingdom was taken captive by the Babylonians. We can see this in 2 Kings chapter 24, verse 10 and verse 15, as it is written. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon, and the mighty of the land, those carried he into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. So in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11, we are told that the southern kingdom's captivity in Babylon was designated to be 70 years. So in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11, it is written, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So now let's see how the exile, the southern kingdom, that is the house of Judah or the Jewish people, into Babylon and their judgment to be there for 70 years is linked and associated with the generation that will see Yeshua set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. So now in Matthew chapter 24 verse 3, Yeshua was asked by his disciples, what are the signs of your return? So in Matthew chapter 24 verse 3 it is written, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, 
tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age, or the end of the 6,000 years of this present age? So in answering the question, Yeshua went on to say in Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. So now Yeshua is communicating that his return at his second coming is linked to us understanding this parable of the fig tree. So he goes on to say, When his branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. Continuing in Matthew chapter 24 verse 33, So likewise you, when you see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. So Yeshua said, Learn a parable of the fig tree. Who's the fig tree? Well, we can see in Hosea chapter 9 verse 10 that Israel is likened to a fig tree. So in Hosea chapter 9 verse 10, it is written, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first stripe in the fig tree. So regarding this parable of the fig tree, Yeshua went on to say in Matthew chapter 24 verse 34, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass. What generation? The generation that's associated with this parable of the fig tree. That the generation that is linked with the parable of the fig tree will not pass until Yeshua sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives. So who or what is this fig tree? I believe that it is the rebirth of the nation of Israel in the house of Judah or the southern kingdom returning to the land of Israel and establishing that nation which happened in 1948. So since Yeshua said, learn a parable of the fig tree and this generation will not pass till all these things be fulfilled, the next thing we need to understand, if the birth of the modern nation of Israel is the time clock of the generation that will see him set his feet down on the Mount of Olives, how long is a generation? Well, if we look at Job chapter 42 verse 16, we perhaps can come to a conclusion that a biblical generation is 35 years. Because in Job chapter 42 verse 16, it is written, After this lived Job 140 years, and he saw his sons and his sons' sons even for generations. So from this verse, what would be the average length of a generation? Well, we would take the number of years that Job lived, 140, and divide it by four as he lived to see four generations. And that would give us the average time of a generation is 35 years. So based upon this calculation, given that Yeshua said this generation will not pass, until all these things be fulfilled, if we take the date of the birth of the modern nation of Israel, 1948, and add 35 years, then we should see Yeshua setting his feet down on the Mount of Olives in 1983. Did that happen? Obviously not. So if 35 years is not the correct time frame for the length of the last generation, what else could it be? Might it be 40 years? Well, we could draw this conclusion from Psalm chapter 95 verses 10 and 11 as it is written. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they've not known my ways. 
speaking of the generation that came out of Egypt that received the Torah at Mount Sinai, that spent 40 years in the wilderness before they entered into the promised land. So in Psalm chapter 95 verse 11, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest or go into the promised land. So now if we take the year of the rebirth of the modern nation of Israel, 1948, and add the length of time for a generation based upon Psalm chapter 95 verse 10, that is 40 years, based upon this, Yeshua should set his feet down on the Mount of Olives in 1988. But did that happen? Obviously not. So if 35 years isn't the length of time for the final generation, and well that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, Israel, God's prophetic time clock. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.